couldn't get through an interview without asking you about crypto, but in particular, Russia just said that they would accept Bitcoin as a payment uh, for their energy uh, resources. What does that say to you about where we are in the crypto conversation? Well, crypto is obviously grown by leaps and bounds, and um, it's now playing a significant role, not really so much in transactions, right. but in investment decisions of lots of Americans. And um, the president just issued a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. an executive order tasking us and other agencies with thinking about the regulation of crypto. I mean, you're less skeptical about it than in previous, I mean, we've been talking about it together for a long time now, and I think you've had a, a skepticism about crypto, crypto technology. I have a little bit of skepticism because I'm, um, there are, cons I think, valid concerns around it. Some have to do with financial stability, consumer investor protection, um, use for illicit transactions and other things. Right. On the other hand, there are be benefits from crypto, and we recognize that innovation in the payment system can be a healthy thing. We would like to um, come out eventually with recommendations that um, will create a regulatory environment right. in which healthy innovation and can And then finally... Happy Bitcoin Tuesday, freaks. It's your boy Odell here for Citadel Dispatch 60. If you're listening to this after the fact on the podcast feeds, that was Treasury Secretary Yellen talking about a Bitcoin circular economy on CNBC this week. Citadel Dispatch is an interactive live show about Bitcoin distributed systems, privacy, and open source software. I appreciate all the freaks who continue to support the show. Dispatch is 100% audience funded without ads or sponsors. Could not happen without your support. Keeping Dispatch purely focused on actionable Bitcoin discussion and freedom tech. The easiest way to support the show is through Podcasting 2.0. My two favorite Podcasting 2.0 apps are Breeze and Fountain Podcasts. They work like a regular podcasting app, but you load them up with sats. You choose how many sats per minute dispatch is worth to you and those sats stream directly to my node as you're listening another way to support the show is through my btc pay server which is at citadeldispatch.com you can support with on-chain or lightning i also have a bip 47 payment code and associated samurai paynim which you can pay from sparrow wallet or samurai wallet um, you can also find that on citadeldispatch.com hopefully other wallets will join soon um Dispatch is broadcast on Twitch, Twitter, and Bitcoin TV. Bitcoin TV holds all the video archives. You can also find all the audio archives on your favorite podcast app. It doesn't have to be a podcasting 2.0 app. I've heard some issues with Fountain Podcasts. I've experienced them myself as well. It is definitely still early in development over there. They are listening to your concerns. Um, 
just to be absolutely clear, my single favorite podcasting app is AntennaPod. Hopefully they will add podcasting 2.0 at some time. But if you're looking for a good podcasting app that's free and open source software, highly recommend AntennaPod. Works really well on Calyx and Graphene and just general Android phones. I don't think it's available on iPhone. And if you still want to support the show in that situation, you can use the BTC Pay server or my BIP47 payment code. With all that said, before we get started, I also have a special announcement that a bunch of us are going to be in Miami, obviously, for Bitcoin 2022. Uh, I will be doing a live Citadel Dispatch there on April 5th, the anniversary of Executive Order 6102, when FDR tried to steal everyone's gold, which also happens to be Satoshi's symbolic birthday. It'll be at 2 p.m., same venue as BitDevs, right before BitDevs, so it'll be that for an hour, still dispatch for an hour, we open up and then there's like a 45 minute little happy hour there and then bit devs happen. So if you're interested in that, that's citadeldispatch.com slash Miami. I'm charging a hundred thousand sats for that includes entry and free drinks. Um, so once I get that venue covered, I'm just going to basically come in with like cases of beer and ranch water and maybe some regular water. So people stay hydrated uh, and maybe there'll be a little bit left over that will go towards supporting the show. But I'm trying to keep it, obviously, as, as low cost as possible. To you fiat maxis out there, um, when I listed it at 100,000 sats, that was about $42. Now it's about $48. Um, so with all that said, we have a really great show today. It's focused on building a Bitcoin circular economy. A lot of you guys have probably heard me talk about this in the past. A key aspect of our threat model when we talk about Bitcoin and privacy is this whole idea of KYC on-ramps, these regulated on-ramps that are keeping extensive lists of Bitcoiners in our transaction history. Privacy tools help. Learning how to obtain Bitcoin without those burdensome KYC regulations that often put Bitcoiners at risk help. But long term, what really will help is a proper Bitcoin circular economy where people aren't buying Bitcoin, they are earning Bitcoin, they're not selling Bitcoin, they're spending Bitcoin. It distributes uh, us away from these central points of failure. So with that topic in mind, we have a great group of panelists that are been very focused on build, making this vision a reality sooner rather than later. I personally think that uh, the circular economy is somewhat inevitable, but the question is, how long does it take us to get there? And and these these great dudes have been trying to make that reality way quicker than it otherwise would be. So first off, we have Brian Harrington here. Brian, how's it going? Hey, guys. Thankful, thankful to be here talking about this. Number go up and payments go round are both, both so important, and that's how we win. Let's fucking go. Brian is focused on building, uh, you know, helping grow the Bitcoin circular economy in Southern California. We have Santos here um, from Chamber of Satoshi, focused on building the Bitcoin circular economy in Arizona. How's it going, Santos? It's going great. Very bullish. Uh, I think there's more ways to earn sats than ever. Let's fucking go. And we have Michael from OshiApp which is a project that is specifically designed to build out the Bitcoin circular economy. How's it going, Michael? Hey, it's going great, man. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. 
I can't wait to talk about why B-commerce is so much better than any other form of commerce out there. You just call it B-commerce? B-commerce, for sure, man. The evolution of e-commerce? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Make no mistake. Well, I love it. This uh, for for whatever reason, this is the first time I've heard the term B-commerce, but uh, I dig it. Do you have the website? It's been taken by some bank, uh, but okay. don't worry, don't worry. We'll be able to I, buy it off from there. You're lucky I even asked. I was just gonna just throw a question at you and then just try and go to Namecheap and buy it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely B-commerce. Everybody can use that. That's that's how we're gonna position ourselves <laughs> to take over the world of e-commerce. Um, so, I mean, let's get started here. When you look at, let's start with Michael since, uh, I don't know, let's just start with Michael. Michael, when you look at, you know, trying to grow the pie and get more businesses to start accepting Bitcoin, you know, how do you frame it? How do you think about it? You know, what, what is, you know, what is your framing here? Yeah. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time, uh, trying to figure that out. And what I learned over time is if we like just run in there and we're like, hey, you should accept Bitcoin because like central banks and inflation and all of these other things, you know, privacy concerns, tyrannical regimes, most businesses do not care. They, they don't right. care. like they have enough to worry about their, you know, labor costs are going up uh, if they could even find labor, their rents going up. They have a ton of problems. Um And how I frame it is, hey, like, how about we bring you more customers? How about you offer your customers Bitcoin rewards to actually incentivize people to spend Bitcoin um, while also getting people to earn Bitcoin and getting businesses to potentially hold the Bitcoin, um, utilizing the network and the asset if they want, or um, they can utilize the network without actually holding on to the asset. It's their their choice. Do you see, do most merchants... So when you say they can utilize the network without holding the asset, you mean just immediately convert to USD? Right. Yeah. In this case, this would be as kind of a stepping stone for them. But most businesses are actually choosing to just hold the Bitcoin. Um, but just having, I guess you could say, like that backboard as they're just dipping their toes into Bitcoin is really helpful. Uh, just giving them that option to say, hey, like, I know you have a business to run. Uh, maybe you're, you'd be interested in converting a certain portion of this to dollars. Um, again, you know, that's not what I recommend. But the reality is these businesses um, have bills to pay and they have businesses to run. So they're still often having to pay these fiat based bills. So. Um, it, it does help to have that option for them. And specifically with Oshi on the merchant side. So, I mean, why don't you just go into real quick, like what is Oshi? Yeah, so it's just a really easy way from the from the you know business side to introduce them to Bitcoin. Um, we can get them set up with a, a Bitcoin payment provider of their choice, whether that's, you know, OpenNode or Ibex or even their own BTC pay server. Um, on the slim chance that that these you know uh, businesses have one of those, um, we can get them connected to our platform uh, via just invoice API keys, um, and uh, they're effectively able to promote their products and services by offering Bitcoin rewards. So if you want to purchase or, or you know sell a coffee, you can say, "Do yeah, we're going to do like five percent back in Bitcoin rewards if you purchase this coffee, you know, using say either your own." Bitcoin Lightning Wallet or using Strike or whatever the customer wants to use, right? Um, we're definitely not here to to make perfect be the enemy of good. Um, but That's exactly from the consu- what we're here for. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. continue. 
<laughs> yeah. So so the the consumer um, is is then incentivized to actually want to participate in the Bitcoin economy because there is an incentive um, because the novelty of payments, you know, ex, you know, sending and receiving Bitcoin payments wears off over time, and then it's just effectively sending money regardless of how profound uh, you know the Bitcoin network is. Um, and the the uh, yeah, just that excitement wears off and then the ideolo ideology of bitcoiners you know all over the world, that will only get us so far in terms of you know get making the Bitcoin circular economy go round. So, so when I when I open Oshi app, there's a map, right? I guess it, it pulls my location, there's a map. And then I can see which, where there's Oshi merchants and how, what they offer and how many sats back I get. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Now, do you, we, in general on the show, we don't like location permissions or do you have any intention of monetizing our data or storing our data or location data? No, we have no intention of doing that. Um, Okay, By all great. means, you can please turn that off if, if you don't want it. Um, it's only, you know, whenever we see a lot of people using the app, because in general, like I said, the ideological, you know, users and the people that just want to spend Bitcoin as a novelty, that will that will kind of run dry. Uh, you have to provide a really awesome experience for users. And oftentimes whenever they open up the app for the first time, um, they're like trying to find businesses near them. And uh, if, if they can't see that little blue dot on their map that shows people where they People love the blue dot. Yeah, people freak out. They're like, where am I? Where are these businesses? <laughs> like, so we just added that as, a, as an opt-in kind of thing. Fair enough. Um, do you see any merchants, uh, are any of your merchants Bitcoin only? Yeah, so um, there actually are quite a few of them. I would say most of them are just holding the Bitcoin. Oh no, that's not what I mean. Like, are there any that don't accept credit card that only accept Bitcoin? No, no, none of the merchants. Uh, well, okay, in El Salvador, yes, we do have some merchants because in El Salvador. You have Oshi merchants in El Salvador. We have some Oshi merchants in El Salvador. Yeah, we were kind of testing it out down Such there. A fucking hustler. <laughs> you, you could you can buy uh you know fresh mm -hmm. coconut water for uh, for a dollar twenty five on Oshi, and this guy who's never accepted a digital payment before in his life. He's always operated on cash. He's been you know, unable to participate in any sort of digital economy his entire life. Now can give you like 5% sats back on a coconut water <laughs> to anyone in the world over lightning. And then That's the funds awesome. go straight to his Bitcoin Beach wallet. So. I mean, the reason I bring it up is because you say like the novelty wears off, you know, from like the ideologues just trying to like spread Bitcoin um to me like the incentives to to spend bitcoin are i guess with the addition of oshi app now is threefold uh it's because i'm looking for a more private spending option you know if i can spend in cash then obviously cash is the most private but if it's between credit card or bitcoin you can get a privacy gain from spending with bitcoin um the second reason, which is a, probably one of the more common reasons, is the merchant just only accepts Bitcoin. So, for instance, you know, if you want to go to the Citadel Dispatch live event in Miami, I do not accept fiat. So you have to either decide to send me sats or not come. Um, same with, you know, the Noddle, for instance. If you want to buy a Noddle node, you can't pay with credit card. You have to pay with Bitcoin. Um, and then I guess the third reason is sats back. I mean, 
everyone loves a good discount. Some of your discounts are very, very intense. What I've seen like 40%, 50% discounts. Um, I guess they're not discounts. They're sats back. Technically it's a important nuance, but right. um, I guess those would be the three main reasons. So that's why I asked that question. Yeah. And also what I was thinking is, you know, I don't know if you guys remember, but in 2013, I mean, I don't know if you guys were around in like 2013 to 2014, 2015, before the Bcash hard fork happened, a lot of the Bcashers were very pro Bitcoin circular economy. Um, and, but what happened was it was all onboarding towards like BitPay and stuff where people were just, where the merchants were auto selling for fiat. And I, I understand that there's a, there's a point there in that, you know, businesses have fiat expenses, but there's, you know, one of the things I like about how Ibex and OpenNode work as opposed to BitPay is that you can have like, like on OpenNode, they have like a slider, like you decide, you know, I want to keep 70% in Bitcoin, 30% in fiat or something because I have my expenses. But I just felt like it wasn't, it wasn't like the merchants were actually being convinced of like the benefits of Bitcoin. They were just being convinced that like Bit, BitPay could onboard them really easily and they just, it wasn't sticky or anything. And it was just like, I was just, you know, why do I want to pay like my AT&T bill with Bitcoin and just have them auto dump it for fiat through like a regulated Dude, party that hates Bitcoin? Can I jump off that? Yeah. So Brian, just real quick. Like, I forgot to tell you guys ahead of time, like, don't consider me the host. All you guys yeah. should just jump in and out. Feel free to go. Yeah. All right. Let me jump off that and hit uh, just a few high things that like, I want to say the, the OG Bitcoiners, were great at talking about Bitcoin. They were not great at talking about personal finance. Okay, why does this matter for circular economy? And why does this matter for circular economy? Because the then you're right. And when the Bcash fork happened, we I think are just now only now realizing the the like social layer impact of that as well because we lost a lot of that circular economy momentum. So super like in. In my whole theme of 2022, I've been trying to just like leave all baggage behind and just start from where we are. Because the other thing with circular economy that like, dude, the lockdowns radicalized me on circular economy. Like, I don't I don't appreciate like the way that we were like treated by like people in power. And so it really needs to be like a Bitcoin is happening right now in person and needs to like start creating like, and it is creating like value and freedom for people right now in person. But that's what kind of got me down this path of like, I don't love saying like, we're so early anymore, because saying we're so early, I feel like just comes across as like very, um, like apathetic, like, and because we do humans do have the ability to like impact the world. And so there's all that combined with yes, the Bcash hard fork. Um, we lost some of that social momentum of those people that wanted to see Bitcoin replace fiat, um, like, in transactions. Okay. And then I can't fully like put it on the OGs of not being good at personal finance because what has happened since then? What has happened since then is that the apps have come such a long way. Like the the apps have come so far to where if Strike and Cash App are going to continue to pay athletes to use the word paycheck and Bitcoin in the same sentence and this whole pay me and Bitcoin thing is happening, then when normies, normies already will ask you when you talk about Bitcoin, hey, Bitcoin's like, it's a big deal, it's taking over. Oh yeah, well, how can I spend it at Walmart? That normie is not trying to like needle you and be like, oh, it's never gonna work, can't use it. They're not trying to say that. 
They're not asking for a lecture in Austrian economics. They're asking you to tell them how to do business outside of the dollar. Like, I think what's wild is that normies and like hardcore like Bitcoiners that want to watch like Bitcoin replace fiat are actually more on the same page than we give them credit for it. So like, I don't think like, yeah, I just I think by normies being ready to like spend Bitcoin, they don't need like a lecture. They just need to you just need to tell them like when and where they could do it. And then just closing kind of a little bit again on this personal finance thing. It's now the tools are now here for you to take 100% of your paycheck in Bitcoin. And the math is now here. The holding period, like the the inflation per day on the dollar is is like closing the reasons for holding dollars at all, even for a week. And so what's wild and combined with number go up, obviously. But so what's wild is that like we think we think that by using dollars as our checking account and using Bitcoin as our savings account, we're savings on taxes and we're also like causing number go up because we're not selling back for fiat. I don't I don't think either of those things are true anymore. I think actually in a weird way by taking 100% of your paycheck in Bitcoin and then buying the foreign currency dollars when and if you need it, you're actually like you're then net sitting on more sats for more days per year, which is literally making your family wealthier. And none of that was there back in like any, so the tools weren't there, the inflation wasn't there. Like that's why this whole thing is like coming full circle um, because the tools are now here for you to 100% hold Bitcoin as your base money. The financial incentive is here to do it as your base money. Um, and then, then we can talk about, yes, all the game theory of the merchants getting to the point where it's like, hey, uh, yeah, like due to COVID and due to the lockdowns and due to rising inflation, like we accept Bitcoin now, like please pay with this or pay a higher price to use fiat. Like, so, but because people love to say, people love to say it doesn't make economic sense to spend your Bitcoin. So just hodl your Bitcoin. Okay, but then what if there's actually the economic incentive to get paid 100% Bitcoin and still eat the cap gains um, because number go up is actually like, going up enough to even cover the cap gains and your family's ending wealthier. You want to talk about the cap gain spending issue? Sure. Yeah. Why, why don't you explain it? What else you? about it? So, yeah, I mean, so Bitcoin is property. Like, so they're going to, they're asking you to pay like capital gains taxes when you swap it back for dollars. What I foresee happening is these. Or when you spend it. Yeah. Or when you spend it. And I think what I think is going to happen is so with Cash App wants to be your bank. Nidig is partnering with credit unions. Um, Strike wants to be your bank. Fold wants to be your bank. And there's this thing where it's like, what do we even use banks for? Wells Fargo, like uh, Chase, Bank of America, the really only thing we actually use them for is they're an ACH portal. We, we all, Bitcoiners need to learn about the ACH network. Like in, in because... The ACH network is the only thing we use banks for. But now all these Bitcoin apps are now adding in like ACH portals to where you can receive your paycheck directly in Bitcoin. And so they also are going to all add, I feel like they're all going to add ACH out. So you're going to be able to hold your Bitcoin up until the very last day that your mortgage is due and then ACH out into um, your mortgage payment. And then that Bitcoin checking account will spit out a regular like report that then you plug into TurboTax. And so, yes, your Bitcoin. And right now I'm like diving into the personal finance element of it. What I'm trying, I understand that a lot of this will run counter to like some other um, 
like ways of seeing Bitcoin. What I'm trying to demonstrate is that from a personal finance on paper Bitcoin checking account perspective, you can beat the capital gains taxes and still end the year wealthier because I believe that's then a flywheel for more and more businesses jumping onto this, which then provides cover for those that are using Bitcoin in different ways to still shop at those same merchants. So it's still like, I, I have this whole thing in general that I actually believe that like suits and anarchists are like more on the same team than they give themselves credit for. So just understand that with a lot of what I'm saying. But so I believe the math is there for fuck Bitcoin the checking accounts. What's that? Sorry. I no. said fuck the suits. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I believe the math is there. I believe the math is there for you to use a Bitcoin checking account uh, and hold 100% of your money in Bitcoin and become comfortable with either buying the foreign currency dollars with it or buying something directly with it. And I no longer believe that like buying the foreign currency dollars uh, causes number to go down. I used to believe that, but I don't believe that anymore. My favorite part about like the whole argument about holding, you know, 100% Bitcoin is like the argument on Twitter was between people who hold like 98% Bitcoin and 100% Bitcoin. And they just argued over the 2% like vehemently. Like Dude, I'm not sure though. I'm not. I'm not sure though. Like those. There's definitely a mental. Like I think. I think. Like that last part of like paying your mortgage with it. I definitely think like changes brain cells. I think it changes brain cells. Fair enough. Fair enough. Santos, what are your what are your thoughts here? I mean, you've been onboarding merchants in in Arizona. Well, you know, what, what have they said that you agree with? You know, how do you, how do you think about it? And what do you yeah. disagree with? How, how I think about it is like comparing it as a technology to the traditional banking system. I came from a background of banks. Uh, I worked at Bank of America in 2015 and then quit my job. I had discovered Bitcoin and, you know, I didn't want to work in that industry anymore. Uh, so I taught myself. So I did preferred sales prior to leaving, and it was mainly like tailoring the bank's benefits. So when you look at Lightning uh, as, a, as a payment layer, it's superior nearly in every respect because uh, one, banks can shut off your account at any given time to conduct a financial review. Uh, I worked in a risk department before that did that. And uh, you don't have to worry about that if you're essentially like managing your own funds. Uh, so I think about it from that perspective, like you, you don't have to worry about your accounts payable nearly as much. And then you think about it from the payment processing side, uh, you know, Stripe charges 3% plus 30 cents, uh, Square Terminal charges 3% plus 10 cents. Uh, even using like a Lightning service provider, you can lower your cost to 1%, which is massive, especially if you're doing anywhere between 5 and $10 transactions. That lowers it from roughly 9%, 10%. Uh, so then you also don't carry the risk of like fraud or billing disputes, which often as a merchant, even if someone's submitting an illegitimate report, those funds are taken out of your account anywhere between 30 and 60 days. It's just debited while the bank continues to, to review that. So merchants understand this. They have to deal with this on a frequent basis. And if you can explain to them, well, you're not only going to reduce your operating costs, and keep more of the money for the value that you're producing, you're also um, going to lower your risk dramatically. So that's kind of the way that uh, I think about uh, payments uh, using Bitcoin. Do you notice that like, I mean, specifically what, what you were comparing it to seems to be credit cards, 
Um, I mean, like I know in like the Austin area, there's a surprisingly amount of, of no cash businesses. Do you guys see that? Like most of the time you're really Bitcoin's competing against credit cards and not cash and cash has kind of just disappeared from the equation for the most part. Yeah. I think people, uh, particularly like paying with credit cards because of the benefits associated with them, such as rewards, you know, uh, fraud protection, those sort of things. And, uh, I think with cash. Like it's a bit outside of the circular economy. I think of the circular economy as like earn and spend uh, completely in sats. And outside of it, you have fiat to Bitcoin kind of conversions, which I think like what we're kind of experimenting with uh, one of our partners at the Chamber of Satoshi and the Arizona Bitcoin Network, um, they they basically provide as seco terminals uh, to merchants and meetup members with very low risk. So then People that have never, uh, you, you know, used Bitcoin, never really learned much about it, can now get onboarded uh, on chain or Lightning with essentially. Uh, there's no KYC that's required. It's just a cash exchange. So I see that then at that point they can use cash to purchase Sats, which they can use like LN. Basically, it's an LNUR withdrawal and a receipt. They can scan and load into whatever their their choice of Lightning wallet can be, or have it sent to like an on chain address. And then enter um, the the circular Bitcoin economy. So that that's how like I'm imagining it, and how we're setting up the Satoshi Day, which is uh, an event celebra- uh, celebrating uh, a business beginning to accept Bitcoin. So I, I I don't really see it competing as much with cash because then you can even uh, have your operating costs lower. But I think the problem with cash is the friction uh, that it has. So with Lightning, the payment flow is also better. One of the worst experiences you can have and may, a, a big complaint by consumers is like point of sale decline. With Lightning, you you don't have to worry about that, especially uh, if you're using uh, a Lightning service provider or you have a self-hosted solution where you know how to do, to do the channel management. Uh, so that, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, and, then, and I would just say like, you know, for for thousands of years, like let's let's just say, the past few decades has been an anomaly, okay? Like in terms of the the internet spread it up, everything uh, is now digital. Payments are now digital. To participate in e-commerce, you have to have a debit or credit card. Generally speaking, um, for thousands of years, that was not the case, right? Commerce occurred between the buyer and seller without any financial intermediaries, without any payment processors, for zero percent processing fees. Uh, settlement was final. It was instant. There were no chargebacks, right? Unless you wanted to like beat the dude up after you handed him your money or whatever. So like, which is inherently risky. <laughs> Today, people can just call up the bank for whatever reason they want and they can charge it back. So my point here is that what Bitcoin, you know, and, and Lightning specifically enables, um, at the very least, like at the protocol level is for, you know, near instant, near free settlement. Now, currently we're using these different uh, third parties that are providing a valuable service, right? Like let's say OpenNote or IBEX, um, you know, or, or like you use Voltage maybe and you, you spin up your own node there. Like they are providing a very valuable service to help you process these payments. But for all intents and purposes, like as we all know, Bitcoin is digital peer-to-peer cash. And we are reinstating that like right before our very eyes. And this is where I like to talk about this whole like B-commerce, e-commerce thing. Like most of the world cannot participate in any form of e-commerce and even in the developed world they barely participate 
like the small businesses are getting fucked. Like they have access to participate. They can use a bunch of different third-party services to participate. Like let's say small restaurants, coffee shops, they could use DoorDash or Grubhub or all these things that are charging them anywhere from like 10 to 30%, let's say, just to participate in e-commerce because people aren't really going to their website, right? They're not really going or reading their email blasts as like this single small business, right? Um, anyway, with that being said, like roughly um, 15% of all retail commerce is done online in the United States. That's it. 15% of online uh, of retail commerce is done online. 85% does not do not participate, right? Any e-commerce or not, you know, obviously 85% of retail sales so are like in store. There's a brick and mortar. Let's just say I would, I mean, basically with the swipe of a card or handing somebody cash, 85%. And this is like in the most, you know, technologically advanced country in the history of the world, arguably, right? Right. I would think it was, I, I would think that there would be more e-commerce. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And then especially of, after all the COVID policies and stuff just destroyed small businesses. Exactly. So what happened during that was, you know, in, in 2020, I, I don't know where it's sitting at now, but in 2020, uh, e-commerce jumped up 30% and businesses were forced to effectively, you know, pay these higher fees to participate in e-commerce because it's inherently more expensive as well to accept debit or credit cards online than it is to swipe the card in store. And this is where e-commerce comes in because for the first time ever, it's actually cheaper to accept an online payment online than it is in store. The settlement is near instant. It's near free, depending on how you choose to go about accepting that Bitcoin payment. And in my opinion, this is going to be like, this is e-commerce. Like this is going to revolutionize how we see e-commerce. There are people in countries that have never had access to debit and credit cards at all are now able, now able to accept online payments. Like it is going to be insane. And it's, it's basically the reinstatement of a cash like, you know, money in the digital world. And that's like fucking exciting. Yeah, that is, that, that's a great way to put it. Uh, 100% agree. One thing that uh, one of the merchants that we partnered with, Veal Beans, one thing that really resonated with them is they have all kinds of relationships with, with farmers all over the world, like Brazil, Ethiopia. And one thing that excited them is they are now able to form a direct relationship. Like their model is entirely like building customer relationships, farmer relationships. And that's how they differentiate themselves. So now they can use digital cash to send, you know, across borders directly um, to their farmers. And now there's more ways than ever uh, to to be able to use that Bitcoin. And there's only gonna it's only gonna continue to grow. So now like they can own their relationships and they can transact with whomever they want and maximize the value that they create. It becomes much more cooperative. So, I mean, Santos, that's a really interesting point. So, I mean, earlier on, Michael was talking about how this there's this there's this issue in this bootstrap phase, right, where um, these merchants have fiat bills to pay, um, but they're receiving Bitcoin. Ultimately, the ideal situation is what you just described, where they're actually able to pay their downstream suppliers Bitcoin for the supplies they need, the services they need. Is this 
And and we kind of saw this in El Salvador because just the government mandated it. So all those businesses don't necessarily need to convert into fiat because all the other businesses have to accept Bitcoin. So they're able to pay their suppliers inherently. Was this something that you specifically set up with this merchant? Like, did you put them in contact with their suppliers or was that just coincidental? Is that something like you think about connecting maybe two different businesses that can have basically have a circular economy with together is that a thing you consider or is that just kind of happened yeah that's something that we consider um that's something that blake and i the owner of beel beans it's like a family-owned uh coffee roastery and and pour overs and that's something that we've talked about uh extensively and that's something that really resonated with him is the freedom aspect of it and owning the relationship uh it's pretty horrible to uh to essentially go through like a wire transfer where the end, you know, the farmer is losing out significantly on the value that they created. Um, so it's really exciting to them to be able to then pay them directly. And we've gone over, you know, many different use cases in terms of like spending the SATs as well. Uh, you know, there, there's more and more options that are being developed in terms of products, more regions are being covered, more open source tools that you can use uh, to be able to enable your customers to purchase from you. Uh, so I think that's kind of the the way that we've uh, discussed it and thought about it. I just want, uh, that's fantastic. I mean, I just want to do a quick shout out to Anarchio Crypto. Um, I invited him on the show, but he didn't want to dox his voice. So he's participating in our Matrix chat uh, live while the show is going on. So I just wanted to say I appreciate him and glad to see him in the live chat. Um, Brian, I you're... Appreciate- yeah, I on. appreciate what he said too, and was going to reply to the comment. Yeah, if you want me to hit us, what what was the yeah. comment? Yeah, so Anarcho Crypto makes a great point. He's and in, in there as they're describing Bitcoin circular economies, they're saying rent for cash slash Bitcoin without KYC builds circular economies outside of the state. No government ID required for jobs, apartments, healthcare, etc. Cash in hand, gray markets already offer this. Bitcoin doesn't only fight the state's monopoly on money, but also its monopoly on identity. Bitcoin uses pseudonymous public-private key pairs for authentication instead of a state-signed identity, as with banking. So, um, you have any comments first, or I was nope, going to hop you. off of it. Okay, so to go off of that, I agree with those strategies. I think those strategies will only work for a certain like certain sec like segment of people right and i think this is the classic case of the way i liked the way when odell was the way that b cashers were trying to talk about circular economy back in the day or just bitcoiners in general were trying to talk about circular economy back in the day versus kind of what i'm trying to see in 2022 is kind of this blended model of like there's going to be bitcoin checking accounts and i know like coming on to citadel dispatch and like being the bitcoin bank account guy is like not a great like that doesn't make me like the aw- like awesome guest of the day like but <laughs> what i want to say is like people running having bitcoin bank accounts and like the like financial incentives at the personal finance level to hold the bitcoin bank accounts and still have them be able to like print off a statement from that and get a mortgage like with that bank statement is those people are still shopping at the same places that Santos is onboarding and that Michael is onboarding. And so I also had this discussion on Twitter, like back in the day when Orange County Bitcoin Network got our first taco shop on it and our first uh, burger place on it. Some people were saying that like, 
oh, you know, if they're using like OpenNode, like I can't use my like non-KYC wallet to like shop at OpenNode. And I was like, dude, I fully disagree with that. Or there was a reverse thing where some guys were talking about if a 3D printed gun site is like running BTC pay server, they were trying to say that like, oh, Strike app isn't good because Strike has KYC. And if they pay the BTC pay server, that's bad then for the like gun shop owner. And I was like, again, I fully disagree with that. Like Bitcoin fixes that. Bitcoin fixes that. It allows like the very fact that someone with a Bitcoin bank account through whatever app and someone who's fully like non-KYC running their wallet and are their own bank from their phone can buy coffee together at the same shop that chooses to either run OpenUD or run BTC pay server. Like that's beautiful. Like that's literally beautiful. And that's Bitcoin is winning. That's commerce happening outside of the dollar. Like that is then the dollar is going to lose traction and more and more entrepreneurs are then going to be able to say, hey, sorry, dollars are no longer accepted here because, you know, please step out of line and go use the Bitcoin ATM if like you're still not up to speed. And so that's that's just the reason why I'm like kind of bringing the personal finance today is that's that's the way I see it sending traffic to all these businesses we're onboarding. Yeah, that's a really excellent point. It's like there's there are different options for different degrees of like understanding and technical capability or relationships. It's it, it, there can be like different phases or levels to it if you kind of want to gamify it. You can start off with uh, you know a custodied wallet to some extent, and then move on as you learn and go deeper down the rabbit hole and understand the different terminology, the technical aspects, the systems engineering and move on to your own. And there are a lot of companies that are even making it easier and more frictionless to begin and explore that and to be able to start hosting or operating your own node and then to branch out to then even doing like a completely self-hosted solution, depending upon like the size and scale of your business and where you're conducting transactions. Obviously, if you're like an e-commerce business, you're going to have significantly more traffic and you'll need more resiliency in your nodes. Uh, so maybe that, you know, uh, the Voltage, Voltage solution can be like fault tolerance. Uh, if your own self-hosted solution fails, then you could forward your payment to, uh, you know, a, a, another uh, node hosted in the cloud. Or maybe if you're like a business that is brick and mortar or like literally person to person in person, then a self-hosted solution will completely cover all of your transacting needs and you won't need to have like the same level of infrastructure requirements. So it's like amazing to Brian's point that these two different individuals all speak the same language, which is Bitcoin. It doesn't like, if you look at like Zelle and Cash App, they cannot talk. They're not speaking the same language, even though they're still transacting in the dollar. It's essentially like not possible for them, but using Lightning um, it, and Lightning Address, it even makes it like even easier to do so um, and speak the same language. The reason why circular economies matter is like the, the gray market circular economies that already exist today on cash are not large enough to make a dent into like the establishment and clown world. Like what, what Bitcoin commerce available to everyone does in the mindset of Bitcoin commerce available to everyone does is it shifts everyone away for use, from using dollars and it creates an overlapping circle with the gray markets that are already there. And so like, that's why I think like both Anyone working on commerce 
in Bitcoin instead of dollars, I think is like that. I, I just think it's like the highest leverage piece of freedom, like freedom things that you could do because you're physically changing brain cells and getting people to use a currency that they didn't grow up on. Yeah. And like, I just want to say like, well, first of all, tip of the hat to an Archeo crypto, he probably has like one of the best um, Bitcoin circular economies articles I've read to date. So definitely check that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, like Bitcoin changes people. Like whenever I first got started on Bitcoin, like I was doing everything wrong. I didn't know what the hell was going on. I, I had like very little regard for privacy. Um, and over the years, like learning and understanding Bitcoin, like it totally changes. Like Brian keeps on saying, like it changes your brain cells. <laughs> like you're, you're changing people's perspectives on things and letting people get into it, like whatever way they're going to get into it. But then like leveling up over time like becoming more self-sovereign as an individual, like a consumer as a business and like leveraging the, the, the inherent um, like incentives of Bitcoin. Like it's going to be cheaper to do all of these things on your own. If you're just willing to, to like level up, right. You're willing to learn about how to self-host and about how to obtain like KYC free coin and so on. Like, and, and like, that's, that's where it gets into the thing. Like, let's not let perfect be the enemy of good. Obviously, it's like, man, people are going to start flooding into this. And like, I don't know, like, I'm just so bullish on how Bitcoin affects people. <laughs> like the statists will inevitably no longer be statists. <laughs> like the people that don't give a shit about privacy inevitably statists? will. There will always there will always be statists, but uh, it, it's going to be dwindling over time. Right? I mean, they or just won't be using state money, but they'll still be statists. I. <laughs> Yeah, there are people I, that own I Bitcoin think, right now that are statists. So I, I don't know. I I mean, we definitely have I, Bitcoin's for enemies. Bitcoin is for everyone. So there's going to be people of all walks of life. And I mean, if 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 Bitcoin can't succeed in that situation, then it was doomed to fail anyway. Um, but I expect it to succeed in that situation. I mean, there's a lot of good points made all around. I just want to pull back a tiny bit um, on Brian's KYC comment. Um, so you, I, I, I agree with the premise that if a merchant is accepting via open node, um, or Ibex and I have a no KYC stack, I can obviously continue. I can use that infrastructure just as if the merchant was using BTC pay server. Now there's, there's benefits and, and negatives to the merchant. Obviously the major negative to the merchant is, is privacy but also custodial risk. They can get their their account canceled just like it can get account their account can get canceled on um, their account can get canceled on like a PayPal or a Stripe or uh, Square terminals or Toast terminals, whatever terminal the business uses that is for fiat. Um, but let's go to the consumer side now. On the consumer side, you mentioned specifically. So with Lightning, what's nice about Lightning, first of all, uh, to the freaks that haven't um, listened to the Full Sail Dispatch archives, I had a great com uh, great uh, conversation uh, with Tony about Lightning privacy. I think it was episode 21, um, if you want to go check out the nuances of Lightning privacy. But the, 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 on the big scale of Lightning privacy, the sender has a lot better privacy guarantees than the receiver. The So a lot of those pain points that like if you pay an open node 
and you potentially are, are doxing yourself to a KYC merchant, um, go out the window because if you pay with Lightning, the sender gets better privacy. Except for one key thing, which is the memo and yes. the node pub key. So you specifically, Brian, mentioned like supporting the 3D gun community with Strike. Mm-hmm. Um, if that memo in your Lightning memo says, you know, supporting the 3D gun community or buying this right. 3D gun part or something, Strike, a regulated service, knows that. They also know mm-hmm. the pub key you're paying. So, you know, Bitcoin can fix that. But the tools as they're currently set up, there's going to be some issues there. Uh, people How? Get their accounts closed. They're going to end up on, on, on lists they didn't think they were going to be on, stuff like that. The person sending will, right? But the receiver, yeah. is the receiver able to block a payment from Strike or from Cash App and say, we don't no. want the payment? No. no. Because like right. I donated, like I donated to the, uh, I sent money to the Canadian truckers through Cash App. Right. Um, the cash like, knows that. And if, if the if the government wanted to, um, if the government wanted sure. every American on a list that sent that money, you'd be on that list. Yes. Look, and that's so to me, that's what's so beautiful about it is that the the reliance is on like the the onus is on the sender. And so I think like by businesses, if a bunch of businesses start running open node as, as they will. Right. Like it's opening the amount of places that no KYC people can shop. That's why I see it as like a benefit. Right. Right. I agree on that point. No, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And that's it's extremely powerful and, because it's an open monetary network. Yeah. And that's what makes the pitch. Like what's so amazing is the pitch Dude, pitching businesses is is so much easier than it like than it used to be already. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I have I have businesses. I, I didn't know if you were pausing there, Brian, or no, go go go. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Like I have businesses where I walk in, and I'm like, hey, do you want to like offer Bitcoin rewards to your customers? And some of them, like, granted, this doesn't happen often, but it happens often enough to where they're like, hey, like. I've actually been meaning or wanting to get involved with Bitcoin and I just didn't know how, like nobody's talked with me about it yet. Like I didn't know where to get started and like, am I going to get them started on a BTC pay server? No, (laughs) like they they don't know how this works at all. Am I going to get them started with like Ibex or OpenNode? Yeah. And, and as they go through this journey, like they're going to level up and like, so yeah, it's getting so much easier. Yeah, dude. Okay. And I thought of what I want to say because you're, it's getting so much easier on your side. And then the reason why I'm coming in, like, so hot talking about the personal finance and that stuff today is because what's so annoying to me is back when we did our first taco shop, just getting hit with the like, man, like, what about cap gains? Man, like, don't we have to hodl? Like, what, like all this stuff or whatever. And what's annoying is when you do get someone excited about it and they are like, hey, I've been looking for a way to get involved. And then there's just no Bitcoiners in that community, like, or in that place that are like up to speed on why it makes sense from a personal finance perspective. And as Odell goes about, like the privacy perspective to use Bitcoin as your money. Like, this is good. Having a restaurant in your town accepting Bitcoin is good. And the time is now for this. And the time's like ready for all this. Let me be clear here on the privacy perspective. Um, 
you know, if you spend with credit card, it's, I mean, it's a hot, like if you spend with credit card, it's the same as spending poorly on Bitcoin. So, exactly. so if the alternative is credit card, you can only improve yourself. Um, if the alternative is cash, the story is different because cash is just natively private. Except for um, cash is hyperinflating and that's the whole thing. So like this whole thing of like cash correct. is good because it's no KYC. Like, no, that's like a moot point now. Like, no, cash, that's not my point that it's no losing. KYC. My point is that it's, it's, it's private by default. Um, so if, if privacy is your, if privacy is your priority, you can't shoot yourself in the foot by paying with cash. But if you, if you use Bitcoin without understanding the nuances, that transaction might not be private, but if you're comparing it to credit card, it is, it, it can't be worse than a credit card. Which, which is fair. And so that's why, yeah, that's why I think talking about the personal finance benefits of spending Bitcoin are just good to get out there more. Because all yeah, we hear are the personal finance downsides of spending Bitcoin. They're all like, oh, well, you're triggering capital gains taxes. You don't have to pay the state and inflate the state. Like you're not funding the state through paying capital gains taxes. The state funds itself by printing money. Like the government spends 130% of tax receipts every year. And so that's where like I'm, I'm moving on from the old talking points of like, you, you know, like you can't use Bitcoin as a currency because the tax laws won't change. Like, no, I'm going to start right now using Bitcoin as my base money before the tax laws change, because that's how we win. I think either way too, you're still paying, like whether, regardless of whether or not you're paying cap gains or you're giving revenue to the bank, like you're, you're still, someone's still making money on that transaction. And I guarantee the bank is making significantly more money off of uh, credit card payment processing systems. That's a uh, super than, great point. I've never said it like that. That's really well said. Yeah, so I, I think there's that part. And then think about all the human time that's going to be saved uh, because the transaction flows are significantly better. So, you know, the current transaction flow is pretty much like you see an item, you click buy, it generates a charge, the user scans or clicks the charge, confirms the payment, then the payment succeeds. Uh, that's like the success flow. And then even with like order ahead um, with the Oshi app, which is something I really like in terms of their flow, you can like take your time and you can actually like click the charge. It'll open up in your lightning wallet, your whatever preferred lightning wallet it is and confirm the payment and send. And all you have to do is walk up and show the QR code. So like, Think about how much time is wasted standing in line and slow processing through the credit card merchants, even with like the uh, EMB chips that they have now. It takes uh, a significant amount of time. So if you have like the entire world, like saving like 20, 30 seconds every single time, if not minutes every time, like how much more productive would we be? So not only are you like lowering the operating costs, you're like saving tons of human time that could then be dedicated to something else. And on another point, interesting on the no KYC aspect, um, with Azteco terminals, you don't need to provide any sort of identity um, until up to like $1,000. And then I thought about it using OpenNode and I built in, uh, an application. You could hook this up to Ellen Bits too. There's, it just changed the endpoint and changed the allocation. But one thing I like about the OpenNode is that you can specify the allocation like Odell was saying earlier. So essentially like you could have a dedicated person in the community that has an open node account. Unfortunately, yeah, they have to, you know, I, uh, verify identity, whatever. Um, but I, I still think that enables them to offer uh, another revenue source 
because then they can be that person for the community that all they have to do is generate a $5 charge with a percentage uh, spread. So like two or 3%. And that's the cost that they pay for having that account. And on their end, they can generate a $5 charge somewhat plus a 3% spread. The user can scan and pay it with whatever lightning wallet that they want. The merchant receives instant credit for that balance. And if they're using OpenNode, they get the, the, the fantastic benefits that they offer, which is that allocation. Um, so then if you're a merchant, you can just sell or, or buy Bitcoin from someone. And it's an automatic FX conversion. To, so you could even take 100% fiat if you don't want any exposure and just offer this. You essentially receive $5 plus the 3% spread minus the 1% processing fee. So you make 2% and then you can give that person cash and know for a fact that that payment has settled. And you could do this for you know, 10, 5, 10, 25, 100, whatever amount that you want to pay the charge. Uh, and you could do the same thing if you, if you wanted to retain your privacy and you're okay with receiving sats and giving cash. It's almost like um, you know, a real life DCA without any sort of like KYC if you were to hook it up into your own LN bits and even um, set the fee rate potentially to save even more. So there's like all kinds of different approaches you could do to enter the Bitcoin circular economy and to exit the Bitcoin circular economy. And there's options for everyone. So if you're very privacy conscious, you can do the no KYC route. If you are, are not privacy conscious and you're more concerned about convenience then you can approach it from that route too. So Santos, are you, are you actually you're you're setting up merchants with Azteco payment terminals too? You're onboarding them onto that as well as accepting Bitcoin. We uh, we offer that. So there's basically like kind of a flow uh, that that we're using. Essentially, uh, we have a partner. Uh, their name is BitRamp, and they're an Azteco vendor, and their their model is completely focused on minimizing risk and getting these terminals into the merchant's hands without them having to put up any cash uh, to, for the terminal itself or um, set up like to be able to have in their account to be deducted as like the people purchase um, uh, vouchers from them. So there, our partner is doing that and we connect them with the partner. So we're working on a presentation to open up uh, to the general public and we're gonna market it on like Eventbrite, LinkedIn and Meetup and Twitter, of course. So it's going to be called like Lightning for Business. Uh, I really like the term uh, B-commerce. So maybe uh, change the name there. But essentially, it'll <laughs> cover all the different aspects of like uh, needs from the business perspective. Like if you're a sole proprietor, you can use ZapRite or create your own invoice and bill it out. Uh, it's it's uh, great interface in a seamless process it's easy to get onboarded if you're a merchant like brick and mortar you can use the oshi app for marketing and discoverability um, you can i wrote a point of sale app that just is, uses the open node api so if you need like if you're like also wanting to offer like quick sales you can you know click to generate charge someone scans it and pays it um, you know if they want that novel experience um, so then you, you kind of have those aspects if you're an enterprise then you could look at like converting a portion of your treasury, like using uh, Swan Bitcoin as an example, if you want like a very easy like dollar cost averaging in, into that position and begin saving there. Um, so that, that's kind of like how we imagine the, the strategy. Yeah, just to piggyback off that uh, DCA, uh, DCA thing, you know, whenever a business is accepting 
Bitcoin, um, a lot of the businesses that we talk with, like they realize that there's not going to be some massive amount or group of people that are going to be paying with Bitcoin, at least not at this moment. So let's say they sell like a few coffees a week. Like, is that business going to be comfortable with holding on to like $12 worth of Bitcoin a week? Like, yes, <laughs> yes, they are. Um, so in a way, like every single time you make a purchase for a business that's accepting Bitcoin, and generally speaking at this early stage, I'm finding most businesses are actually holding it. You're kind of like, these businesses are, are like DCAing by selling their products and services, um, which is which is a really interesting way to think about it. Yeah, and it's like directly injecting them into the circular economy. So like right now, uh, we kind of have like a circular economy of like earn and spend. So like earning, you can create content, you can provide goods and services, you can play games, you can earn rewards, you can stream and entertain, you can mine, and then to, to use it or to spend it, um, you can hodl, you can pay others directly in goods and services, you can buy gift cards, you can use single use uh, generated cards, or even now there's Bitcoin backed cards, kind of like what Brian was talking about related to like a Bitcoin checking account to hold in sats. But immediately when you spend, there's an FX conversion to whatever respective currency and then have, you know, per pay for that good or service. So you could do it that way, or you can just pay directly in sats, which to me like makes the most economic sense in like the sense in terms of like time and, and savings, because it, it, then it ultimately makes everyone more productive. Like no one wants to stand waiting in line uh, to pay for something. And one of the worst experiences you can have from a like a banking or checkout experience is to be declined. With Lightning, you have none of that. You don't have to even worry. Yet there may be a failed route, but I think that's where like uh, using a Lightning service provider is particularly useful because then you take advantage of not having to manage all of your own channels and having really good routing. Um, and then the beautiful thing is probably like kind of meant, touched on this before is like getting your funds off. Like if you are using a custody provider, then you're putting yourself at risk for being shut down. That's 100% true. But the thing is, is it's easier now than ever to withdraw. You can essentially specify a lightning address as a, as like in a setting somewhere, say, this is my lightning address, click withdraw, then it automatically sends to whatever, whatever node is connected to that lightning address. It could be self-hosted or it could be another trusted provider. Who knows? Ideally, you know, self-hosted. So then you can earn using Lightning service providers and then immediately withdraw or transfer off into something that's in your control. So then you're only ever uh, putting like very small amounts uh, at risk. Or and even on to, chain. Yeah, definitely. Right. Like I remember, you, do you guys remember the async, not to be confused with strike but they called it i think they called it async strike which was they were an lsp and you put in an on-chain address and they would just basically accept a bunch of lightning payments for you and then once it hit a threshold it would send to an on-chain address so you didn't have as much custodial risk the new dollar cost average is self-custody average because no one should have any dollars at all <laughs> we shouldn't be talking about dollar cost averaging at all we should be talking about self-custody averaging <laughs> just stacking stats yeah hey of note uh, ibex actually enables businesses to accept payments on lightning and it will after a certain threshold uh, get auto directed to an on-chain address too if they want so very similar type of feature oh that's cool. awesome yeah, ibex was just out in oklahoma they were he was given demos it was awesome i gotta talk to the ibex guys and get them to add bip 47 payment codes for the auto withdrawals 
<laughs> because it's important to make perfect the enemy of good. Um, uh, um, so, I mean, we've been talking about brick and mortar a lot, uh, but Santos, you know, his passion project is Chamber of Satoshi and onboarding, onboarding brick and mortar, but he also works for ZBD. I don't know exactly what you do over at ZBD, and we can get into that in a second, but, uh, or like what your role is over at ZBD, but ZBD is this idea of of gaming with lightning and and that is very much a circular economy as well specifically on the streamer side uh which obviously i have um as as i don't stream video games but i stream dispatch and it's audience funded so it's particularly interesting to me and i saw you guys announced today um a new tool for streamers now just to fully load up this question before you answer it um, you know, ZBD is also a custodial KYC LSP. Well, how, how do you got, how do you think about the, like, how, how do you, how do you, how do you think about all these different trade-offs and stuff in that, you know, type of streamer virtual circular economy? Yeah. One thing I want to touch on though, is that we don't require KYC to use our, our Zebedee app. In order to develop like higher limits, then you need to KYC. But all you actually need is an email and password to sign up. Yeah, but what's the lowest limit? Uh, you can send up to 250k sats per transaction, up to like I think it's like a million or two million sats. Okay, so it's not that bad on the sender side, but on the on the actual receiver side, it's it's, it's yeah. you kind of have to KYC, right? Like it's not. No, I don't think so. Cause like a lot of the, the payments are extremely low. They're, they're atomic actually. So when you're thinking about receiving, like I, I actually a correction, I think it's about 45,000. And the, the beautiful thing about lightning, which I touched on earlier is you can immediately withdraw. So you only need to, to actually use the streamer product. You don't need any sort of KYC and the transaction, the average transaction sizes are small enough such that like users are not running into that problem. Uh, right now. So if I enabled it, if I enabled it on dispatch, um, on the streamer side, with just an email and a password, what are my limits? Do you know off the top of your head? Yeah. The minimum, uh, sat would be, or the minimum receive amount is one. And then the maximum per transaction is 45,000. But there's not a, there's not an amount. It's just on a per transaction basis. Yeah, the the limit for the total balance is two hundred and fifty thousand, but you can transfer okay. them off at any time. Oh, so if you keep draining it, as long as it doesn't get above that amount, correct. And then gotcha. I think the the it's weekly or monthly limit's like a million or two million. So we oh, there you go. Okay, a million sats for the monthly received total. I believe so. I need to check the. So the what is that? That's limits. like five hundred dollars right now. It's pretty good. That's yeah. decent. Yeah. So, and you know, you can transfer it off at any time. It's super convenient using uh, the Lightning address. Uh, many different uh, wallet apps do support it. Like, for example, uh, Wallet of Satoshi also supports uh, Lightning address, so it's seamless to transfer funds off of our or send them off off of our uh, Lightning platform. So, there's there's that aspect of it. So. With streamer, um, what was the specific question there? Because I, I, I know wanted... you answered a lot of the. Qu I loaded it. Uh, first of all, what's <laughs> your role at ZBD? Oh, 
my role, uh, I'm the business lead. So I, I work very closely with our CTO, uh, developing products and, uh, developing processes for engineering. So kind of like, a pro like kind of lead product and, cool. uh, engineering person. Um, well, I mean, I love the team you guys have over there. So you want to, you want to, so show us the streaming product. What is the streaming product? So I see the streaming product as a way for like the digital uh, circular Bitcoin circular economy to develop. So uh, if you go to zbd.gg slash Santos, like you can see there's a lightning address, there's a static charge QR code in any wallet that supports LNURL to essentially scan this and pay you. So you can attach this like to your post. Um, you can play games. Uh, we have a model called play to earn. So uh, game developers will essentially pay you sats for playing their games. Um, and you kind of have the aspect of streaming and entertaining. There's a lot of gamers that are also streamers. Uh, and we see that as incredibly, you know, valuable and another way that people need to be able to earn sats, because if you look at it currently, uh, like how, do, like how have people been able to pay you? Uh, using like Twitch as an example, you have to go through like US dollars, but then, you know, what if you want to pay with, with British pounds? It, there's a lot of actual user friction there. But the beautiful thing about SATs is global money. So then uh, you could essentially pay using any wallet that supports the LNURL protocol. And it's all you have to do is just add like a browser source widget or two uh, to begin taking advantage of this. So now it's just an additional way to earn sats as a creator where you don't even like need to worry about fiat uh, whatsoever. So it's that it's like another way of uh, earning essentially. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the, like the virtual economy, it's just really fucking obvious. Um, and I, I think, I mean, just in gaming in general, uh, the overwhelming majority of, of young kids first interaction with sats will be through games. And I think people are really sleeping on it. Definitely. And imagine like a kid never having to get like a fiat bank account. Like if you start streaming when you're like 12 or 13 years old, you, you may never like even consider using fiat and you'll, you'll automatically know like that the fiat banking uh, experience is like significantly less or it's like it's going to cost you a lot more time and be slower than like a lightning experience for it. So they'll already have learned by about Sats and how to use Sats, but and how to earn them can, by that point. Can jump off that. So yeah, exactly. So little kid plays games, learns Sats, right? And then say they become 13, 14, 15. I think there is a world where that 13, 14, 15 year old becomes like a freelance bug tester for software or is doing some other like remote job from their parents citadel getting paid sats straight to their wallet straight from their like straight inside their parents citadel nothing else involved and so because i think then what's going to happen at that point is businesses so businesses are going to direct deposit Bitcoin to their W-2 employees, but businesses are still going to have incentive to hire freelance workers with freelance arrangements. And these kids working from their parents' citadels are going to be able to like have leverage. They're, they're basically going to be like cheap offshore labor that they're going to be able to negotiate and say, sorry, I only take SATs and sorry, I'm not filling out your 1099. They're like, do you want my service or not? Like, and then the company is going to pay off book sats for that labor because they need it. 
that's I mean, an example of the way that like the direct deposit Bitcoin paychecks and like the off book Bitcoin circular economy is going to work hand in hand. I mean, I do, I do think it's going to be interesting for just the economy in general, the global economy in general about how it can be very interconnected. Um, I think a lot of, especially us based businesses will probably not use people that will refuse 1099s, but I, I think that's a different story. Uh, but the market in the the in the same way that like pay, Bitcoin payment processors everywhere is widening the amount of places that gray market participants can shop because the point of sale can't tell the difference. The same thing is going to happen that like the amount of jobs that will be able to go no 1099 is going to explode. Because currently, currently, it's hard to find a remote job at all. That'll be no 1099. Um, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I think kind of what you're saying is like, we're going to migrate towards like a task based economy, where people are going to solve specific problems, but not necessarily work like a, like at a career or a job, like a salary, where people are more like using whatever their unique skill set is, to then solve the problems that are most interesting to them. And that there'll be like this discovery aspect where you'll complete this task. And then all of a sudden, like you receive sats for it, and then you can move on to a completely different sort of thing. And it, it'll be like this transaction, um, ver this very virtuous transaction uh, cycle, essentially, like you need something done, you create like a particular post, and then someone discovers that proposes a solution, and then it's paid in, in sats. And it, it, a person could be like a task creator, or task solver, to some extent. Definitely. And then you'll still get rehired recurring from the same people because like the mental weight of not having to find a new person every time will still be there for the business. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's really kind of how like stack work, uh, works. I believe it's called stack work. Uh, really cool, really cool project whereby people can like complete these little micro tasks and earn sats, uh, from anywhere in the world. Yeah. I was just going to mention that that's by Paula toy, the same guy, uh, behind Sphinx. Mm -hmm. um yeah. and then there's another one what is it is it a microlancer a dot io i think is one um but yeah, right I, now they're like kind of very small paying almost like micro tasks um i don't know how like i mean this is, seems like a little bit off topic but like how do you guys feel about this whole like gig economy concept like isn't it kind of horrible for the the yeah. person that's not an employee because they're a gig economy worker it was so i think it's a great question and it was feeling a little bit like that um but i think bitcoin like fixes that to a certain extent right because like the money itself like doesn't rot so it's like harder so like it's it's uh easier to like do the tasks and have the money like not rot but i definitely agree that there's like downsides to it and i think we're already like the U.S. already feels kind of like a caste system. Like if you're a remote worker working inside your house and you just get Uber Eats delivered all the time, like that's already kind of like a caste system. Yeah. And I mean, you know, at Oshi, we implement sort of almost like a gig economy type thing. Um, we say, hey, look, like Visa and MasterCard shouldn't have to get like two, three, four, five percent of every single transaction just for like the privilege of sending ones and zeros over the Internet. Um, how about we keep that local? Like how can we either reward the consumers or we reward like Bitcoiners 
who go around and they like get businesses uh, introduced to Oshi or get their family and friends introduced to Oshi to help them take their first steps into a Bitcoin circular economy. Um, to that end, I mean, it's like, you know, as with all referral affiliate programs, like once you're in more than $600 in a calendar a year, like you have to do a 1099. Of course, you could just say, all right, I'm done with that account and be done. But um, that that's the unfortunate, unfortunate thing. But um, yeah, I mean, I do think in terms of like gig economy, the seamlessness of the money and like just the programmable aspect of it and the final settlement aspect allows you to pay workers instantly, um, you know, at the, at the time of every like purchase your referral makes in, in this case, or at the time of every sale a business it, makes in this case, because settlement's final, yeah. there's no chargebacks. So it's, it's, it just kind of changes the game if we're thinking about gig economy type Dude. setups. Dude, and Michael, we talked about that, about like how with payment splits and stuff getting more popular, like if you're if you're then a bartender at a bar that chooses to start taking Bitcoin, then you're no longer just a bartender. Like you're almost in a salesperson at the counter. And if you can close the check for Bitcoin, you should receive a part of that sale. Um, and Bitcoin allows that to happen. Right. Yeah. And so I'm. So let's ahead, talk Matt. about let's unpack this a little bit more, Michael, because, you know, usually in, in general, I mean, there's a lot of like reflink bullshit scams in Bitcoin. Um, yeah. And I don't really, I, I, I usually, it's usually a bad sign. Um, right. But with, with, with Oshi particular, it's a very interesting concept because you kind of have these. So, so if, if an Oshi user onboards a business, you, if they onboard them using their tag, right? So like I have my tag down below previously, like Oshi.tech slash Odell. If they onboard a business with that tag, 1% of the business that that business does through Oshi, that person gets. So you're basically incentivizing people to go out there, do the pitch, onboard businesses onto Bitcoin, and as a result, they get a cut, right? Exactly. Yeah. We're trying to make the circular economy go around. We like... We're trying to incentivize people who are already like so passionate about Bitcoin as it is that never. Yeah, I mean, I've shilled so Bitcoin. many businesses Bitcoin, <laughs> yeah. and I have not gotten one percent back on them. Right. <laughs> so this is that opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, you know, like we we have we have a, a valuable service we're providing for these businesses, and uh, we charge we charge less uh, than than Visa and Mastercard, substantially less in most cases, and. You know, at this stage, we choose to give all that back to the people that are actually participating in this economy and like getting businesses onboarded and getting them set up. And I mean, I'm not saying like you have to go into the trenches with these businesses and be like, all right, like, let me show you how to set up your your BTC pacer. Nothing like that. Like, we don't expect no freaks. You should do that. Do that <laughs> that would be amazing if you did it. No, Michael's not telling you to do that, but I'm telling you to do that. And Santos is telling you to also onboard them to Azteco at the same time. So. <laughs> Yeah, do all of those things, but it's not a requirement. <laughs> it's not a requirement. You share that ref link. They hit us up. They're like, hey, we want to accept Bitcoin. Oh, and, you know, my friend over here that gave me this ref link said that we, we should do BTC pay server. What, you know, what do we do? Oh, perfect. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be the dream, actually. That's the dream. I guess, like, my biggest concern is is that you know we onboard all these merchants and they're on like one or two custodial regulated LSPs and then it's just 
it's really easy to blow that thing up. Yeah, but and I understand. I respect the fact that it's it's uh, maybe part of the process because they're already using custodial regulated fiat methods anyway, and uh, and and maybe just the fact that we have more competition than just a bid pay. I mean, it's, this is not theoretical. Like we literally had um, Bitcoin spent, you know, two years obsessed with onboarding merchants and it was all onto the same custodial regulated provider who turned out to be evil. Mm-hmm. And that, that was bid pay. That's why changing, that's why changing. Yeah. Like the social conversation around, the like payments and like the reason why they matter like is important because I still think, yeah, the, like a lot of people try to say like, Oh, the, the we're so early, like we're so early. Why like struggle with this? And they point back to that and how like, Oh, it's not, it's not for payments. then but it's like, dude, the, like, the dollar sucks. Like we all know that, but like doing business not with it is how you like win. I just want to say that, you know, Michael said earlier, like the way to win over businesses is not to like go in and like, you know, tell them like the dollars fucked and shit. I, I, most of the businesses that I've, I've, I've onboarded have just been with the fuck the state type of, Mm-hmm. Um, onboarding. So there are multiple methods. Yeah, yeah. It's there. There's there's a lot of people trying a lot of things, and fortunately <laughs> now we have I, more than just uh, like BitPay, uh, and we have more than just like yeah, just like download this wallet, yeah. and like we have so many different 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 payment providers, and um, you know if one of them turns out to be a bad actor, fortunately. Um, you know, everybody that's building apps right now, uh, for, for anything of this particular use case, make sure that you're interoperable with as many payment providers as possible, because we're, we're using a, a, an open source, you know, in a fully interoperable monetary network, like leverage that. So yeah, if there's a bit pay scenario, well, Hey, guess what? Consumers like businesses, we, we recommend you use this service now. Um, and, and, maybe, well, and you like, also got in the habit. Cheaper. All the customers are now in the habit of you taking Bitcoin. Like, so switching service providers is like going to be easier. And then also, I think to the point earlier about like bit, even spending Bitcoin poorly is like better than spending um, credit cards. And I started thinking about that too. Like holding, if you're, okay, if you're fully Bitcoin and then just fully cash, that's one thing. But a lot of people on Twitter like are still holding dollars at Wells Fargo and dollars at Chase at dollars at Bank of America. And then still kind of like armchair quarterbacking about like the just circular economy stuff and why, like just why there's barriers to it. But it's like holding you like, I just don't the, in the same way that spending Bitcoin even poorly is better than spending credit cards, like holding Bitcoin fully as your base money is better than holding dollars as your base money. And then your brain is going to start moving towards like understanding the mechanisms of like why a business would do it or like why you spending Bitcoin at that business, um, like makes sense to yourself, like personally. Good points. Good points. Um, 
I mean, this has been a, this has been a fantastic conversation. I'm trying to think about where we want to go next. Well, what about like, there's a lot of Bitcoin meetups that I would say they are, they are the people that are going to usher this in. Like if you want one group of people in every single city across the country where you go, hey, here are the tools, here's the payment providers, here's like the cash apps or the strikes or the blue wallets or the moon wallets. And for them to be able to take that information, package it up and disseminate it out to everybody in their community, like that is like, that is huge. And we're seeing it already. We're seeing it uh, with the Chamber of Satoshi, uh, Charlotte Bitcoin meetup just had, um, you know, their introduction to Bitcoin uh, for businesses. You're you're having things going on in Kansas City. Obviously, Brian's already done like a lot of work in in the LA area. Um, Austin's blowing up with that. Like, this is the way, and it's grassroots. It's bottom up. It's not top down. The more we wait for the top down and sit on our hands, um, that it's just not going to be good, in my opinion. Like, Bitcoin wins no matter what. But going back to the, like, I think one of the first things you said on this, on this pod, Matt, you were like, you know, when, when is it going to happen? Like, yeah. are we going to wait decades yeah. or yeah. is it going to be like five to seven years? My time preference is low, but I'd prefer not to wait too long. Exactly. Yeah. And this is how we do it. It's bottom up, like hitting the streets, talking with businesses with whatever you have. Don't, don't, don't stress. Like, just think, be like, Hey, talk. I think the meetup. The meetup point is really strong. And I mean, I think it's a point uh, that's relevant to both uh, both shows like Dispatch and on meetups is this idea that to scale is basically is 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 educating people to the point where they can go out and they can educate 10 more people that they Mm -hmm. those 10 people can then go out and educate 10 more people. And all of a sudden you have a bunch of people who are aware of the trade-offs are aware of the options are aware of the, the, the pros and cons of everything and, and can actually be on the ground helping friends and family, helping local merchants, the meetups in particular over the last two years. And it's absolutely amazing because it coincided at the same time with basically global lockdowns Mm -hmm. um, where people were being prohibited from meeting in person the global meetup scene, Bitcoin meetup scene has absolutely blossomed. It's one of the single biggest bullish fundamentals in Bitcoin that I have noticed over the last couple of years. Um, and so sort of the freaks out there, like if you're not participating in a local meetup, look to see if there is one. If there isn't mm-hmm. one, maybe there's one that's like crypto. Um, those suck. Uh, start your own, you know, start your own Bitcoin meetup. Find two or three like-minded people. Just start. You don't have to do anything fancy. You don't have to run a bit devs or something like meet up at a local pub or something. Convince the yeah. pub to accept Bitcoin. Bartenders are the number one easiest target to accept Bitcoin. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Um, maybe it's just because I'm drunk at that point. But for whatever reason, it seems like if, if, if you stay at a bar for an hour and a half, um, you should be able to convince them to at least accept Bitcoin at a bare minimum fashion. Um, so I want to talk a little bit on the meetup note, Michael, you had this, this Bitcoin block party in Austin. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, I, I overheard uh, Kyle Murphy talking on like a John Vallis podcast and he's like talking about Bitcoin and community. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> like absolutely. So 
I uh, I got out of my car and I drove down to Austin and we onboarded like, I don't know, 13 or 15 businesses on a very like small, uh, you know, popular street in Austin. It's called Rainy Street. Uh, majority of them were food trucks. It was so easy just to like walk up and like talk to the owner and be like, hey, do you want to accept Bitcoin and offer Bitcoin rewards? And they were like, um, sure. <laughs> and some of them were harder to convince than others, but some of them were like, I've been looking for this. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, obviously that brought a smile to my face. And um, so we set it up and, you know, normally the Dawson uh, scene is, is really strong, right? Always. Uh, there's, you know, uh, a couple of hundred people at, at the meetups, each meetup and so on. Um, we're estimating around 600 people showed up to this block party on a Thursday wow. night at 8 PM uh, to come out and support these businesses that are accepting Bitcoin. And we provided some incentives, additional incentives um, for the consumers in the form of rewards to actually get out there and, and participate, right? Um, the businesses saw the value in it. It brought them more business than they'd probably ever seen on a Thursday night. Um, uh, the, the bar was happy as well. Like it was a really cool thing. And this is something that's replicable all over the country as well. And it's it's already, it already is happening. Like um, Santos's uh, Satoshi Day that they were talking about you know, it's kind of very similar in nature. Like you're coming out and you're celebrating businesses that are now accepting Bitcoin. And you're showing your support for them. Uh, Kansas City is going to have one as well. These are going to be everywhere. Um, so again, like the time is now. <laughs> like this, this is this is a, in my opinion, a fairly critical moment um, in Bitcoin. And um, you know, I. <laughs> It's funny too, because like whenever you say anything like that, you always think about like say Roger Ver, like everybody needs to accept Bitcoin and like the babies I, are dying. The babies are dying, but it's like you know what? Like this time we have lightning and we have tools and infrastructure and um, to to make this work, and so we're gonna try it. Um, <laughs> you know, on layer two, right? <laughs> See what happens. One one thing too, I think that's really interesting is like the meetup. Uh, you, you kind of start talking about different ideas, different presentations to help the local community get inspired by one another. One of our meetup members, Adam, was talking about wanting to do um, a presentation to help um, seniors essentially begin stacking sats and then how to transfer it to uh, a cold storage uh, wallet uh, or it basically transfer to cold storage um, using uh, different cold cards at his house to get them the education that they need with, while risking like very minimal. So then you start thinking about like, how can you serve more people? You can take those sort of presentations. You can either record them individually, uh, like tailored uh, for like an online format, or you can do it locally at the local level. So then you have options to select from, whether like you're an individual that feels comfortable, like executing it on your own, or you need your handheld a bit uh, to get there and then eventually once you have enough educational resources create uh, a help and support portal along with many different guides to get from get to level one to get to level two to get to level three uh and kind of take you through throughout your bitcoin journey so that's something that we're thinking about a lot like at the arizona bitcoin network and a lot of people are very passionate and very knowledgeable and it's it i think it's on us to like lean on the community a bit and open it up to where people can have those presentations to, to broadcast that message or to share videos. So like the community is incredibly powerful. Yeah. And, and like, let's not forget about 
economic development centers or corporations in these towns and cities as well, right? Um, and I think you kind of alluded to some of that too, but it's like a lot of these, you know, like in Redding, so I, I started this in Redding, California, and I actually had some support from the local economic development uh, committee. And like, they were interested, <laughs> you know, they were, they were very curious, like, just like uh, the mayor of Miami and like all of these politicians are, are starting to talk about like Bitcoin and stuff, whether or not they actually give a shit about it. Um, that's game theory. Uh, so tap into local, you know, community organizers, right? Like we're not going to the federal government for this, like ask, ask, um, someone in your community that that focuses on economic development and you know the local chamber of commerce and and if you're not getting anywhere with that then uh, just start your own right santos <laughs> so like but but yeah. pretty soon they're gonna they're gonna be coming to you and they're gonna be asking how they can empower their community or maybe how they can get uh visa and mastercard out of their community and uh, yeah yeah <laughs> One cool thing too, like you can align the incentives. So like if you start a meetup and you're like, how do I get money to pay for a venue? If you're out there onboarding businesses using Yoshi, I think it was touched on earlier that there's like a referral. You earn uh, essentially sats for whenever sats are transacted using the app. So then you can essentially be out there onboarding businesses, earn the 1% uh, to support your nonprofit. And then from there, use that to book venues to purchase books or educational resources, marketing materials for the business, which is something that we've developed over here, taking inspiration from like Amex's Shop Small and tailoring that to Bitcoin. Those are all things you can do to massively impact and increase um, the, the, like, the understanding of Bitcoin and getting access to it um, and, and to be able to fund your operations without even necessarily like needing to like, um, to, to sell like product or services or, or fundraise. Yeah, that would be, um, yeah, we, we were talking about this the other day, right? And it's like, if that, if that works out in that way, that's going to be pretty powerful. Um, you know, before you know it, you could have, you could have cities really pushing for, for Bitcoin adoption because it helps the city. Um, so it's, yeah, it's going to be pretty crazy. What uh, what are you guys thought? So like, nowadays you go to a merchant, right? A brick and mortar merchant. Most of them are using like Toast or Clover or uh, Square. They, there's like what? There's like I I assume Michael knows these stats. Michael, do you know the stats of the brick and mortar payment terminals? I think Square. So so Toast, my understanding for restaurants has about thirty percent of the market. Um, that's my understanding. And um, Square has a quarter, I think, of like, let's say, all like small businesses in, in the United States. Um, there's Clover. Uh, Clover has different apps. They, they have like a much more open like app app store type thing that you could develop on. Yeah. Um, for those that want to want to get into that, uh, Square has a nice open API as well to do cool stuff. Toast is completely closed. Dude, um, I have a good Toast story, if that's what you're asking. Well, but I, you mean, I mean, my, my question was, do we think is one of them going to come out with Bitcoin support? And oh. how does that change the equation? Is, is that something you guys think about or? Yeah, I, I've more like, I think it's going to be slower to roll out than people realize. That's my understanding. 
That's my impression. Um, I think it's far more likely that there's going to be some sort of acquisition um, to to do that. Like even Cash App uh, is moving a lot faster than Square, even though they're under the same block umbrella. Like, um, you know, I I'm I'm optimistic they'll be rolling out a Bitcoin terminal, but uh, I, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, personally. Um, but I think that's also a really big opportunity for other companies to help provide bridge services. By but I'm not even saying like a specific terminal, right? I'm saying just an update to their yeah. existing terminals. Right. Yeah, I mean... It just displays the QR code and then anyone can pay it from any Lightning wallet. Yeah, my understanding is still that they're mostly looking for, for acquisitions. Um, like Toast, to my knowledge, doesn't have a Bitcoin plan. Um, Dude, I don't have like insider information. So I side I side loaded BTC Pay server on a Toast tablet, and we had to use an SD card and load the like SDK as a as a web URL in order to get it to run on there. And we still got it to where they could close the Toast terminal and then open BTC Pay. So that was right. sick. And then I ended up with a on the phone with a guy from Toast who was like an outside salesperson for them who is a Bitcoiner and learned and listens to like all the like all the shows. And so that was awesome. But yeah, agreed with you, Michael, that Toast is probably the lowest, lowest like of who will move first. I do. I I do think that like I'm hyper bullish. and I think Square will move this year like or early next year. And then I think what will happen after that is either McDonald's, Taco Bell or Starbucks. Basically, all the Fortune 500 companies that are the two next pill like dominoes to fall are you're right. One of these guys either doing it through acquisition or turning it on and all the Fortune 500 companies that are running their pilots in El Salvador. So like Starbucks, Taco Bell, McDonald's. One of them, my gut says that their CFO and their financial people are going to realize that it's going well and they're going to turn on a U.S.-based pilot. So I think you're going to see some sort of like, you're going to see some sort of um, press release from McDonald's that says like, hey, like select markets now have Bitcoin turned on. Um, like, I think you're going to see something like that as a big uh, next domino. So let me, I, I mean, I, I tend to agree with Brian that's going to happen sooner than people think. Do let me rephrase the question. If let's say hypothetically in a month, one of the major existing terminals starts accepting lightning payments by showing a QR code that any wallet can pay, does that change any of your strategies or does it just speed things up? Uh, for me personally, it just speeds things up. I mean, I'm, with Oshi personally, I'm. Are you talking about like the projects that I'm working on, or no, no? So yeah, so so with 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 Oshi, let's say in a month, a, a, one of the major terminals starts accepting Bitcoin, mm -hmm. just like a software update. They don't need new hardware. Oshi, that's great for Oshi, right? Mm -hmm. That's great for the Bitcoin circular economy. Or am mm -hmm. I? Absolutely. Yeah, we we are not a POS. Uh, we we get businesses connected with POS systems. Um, we aim to provide like the Bitcoin rewards loyalty marketing for small businesses that are willing to do so, willing to incentivize and entice customers with Bitcoin. So like, let's say let's say like if Strike and Square has a partnership or something, right? <laughs> and then it like gets rolled out. Okay, like that would be fantastic. That would be phenomenal, um, and and even so, like businesses could still choose 
whatever payment provider they want. I mean, granted, like, let's say if that happens and whoever, like if, if, if Square partners with somebody and then they roll out Lightning, like everyone's going to use that if they're already using Square. But the cool thing is, is that they don't have to. Um, they, they can, you know, opt into the monetary network using a lot of different things. Um, so that's that's what's really, really exciting. It'll hasten things. It'll also legitimize it. And it'll make it far easier for me to walk into a business and say, hey, like, did you know that your terminal accepts Bitcoin payments? Want to do Bitcoin loyalty just like, you know, Shake Shack is doing or just like, you know, these cash uh, cash cards are doing on Cash App and all this stuff. Like, do you want to do it yourself? Like, do you want to be empowered and have that ability? And so, yeah, I mean, that would be uh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> An interesting thing, too, I would like to piggyback off of that is like the definitely the rewards aspect, like with play to earn, we're seeing significantly higher rates of retention. So like what does uh, enabling a business to be able to uh, like offer Bitcoin rewards back uh, enable for them? Like they'll be able to lower the payment processing costs, offer a percentage back on the purchase. And I can imagine like many people like going back to that restaurant specifically because it has a Bitcoin loyalty program. So the the Bitcoins, uh, the businesses that are Bitcoin powered essentially will retain their customers better as well, which is incredibly powerful for, for them because acquiring new customers is always significantly more costly than retaining your existing customers. Yeah, and and just playing that game theory out let's say there's a business that has opted to take a certain percentage of all bitcoin payments and hold them on their balance sheet let's say they hold the full amount every coffee they sell they're going to give 10 percent sats back on this cup of coffee in a year's time if they're if they, if they're quote unquote feeling lucky right they, they could hold on to that bitcoin and do they anticipate that the price of bitcoin is going to go up more than 10 percent within 12 months or within 18 months if they're willing to hold the bitcoin for that time that 10 percent discount or sats back promotion to acquire those new customers was was free mm. it was free yeah. and and that gets absolutely insane like if that particular yes. flywheel effect plays out if that game theory plays out that would be the craziest thing that i think dude, could ever happen look and to get hyper bullish on that dude bitcoiners need to be buying fiat businesses for sats on the dollar like like bitcoiners need to be focused on their own sats flow like that's the reason why i don't like the like dollars as checking account bitcoin as savings account thing because every single bitcoiner is a business like every single bitcoiner is a merchant like you need to be focused on your sats flow and we need to be focused on acquiring fiat like like uh physical places so that we can continue to like make the world a better place like if these businesses are not going to start upgrading to the new money then we're going to buy them for sats on the dollar we're going to upgrade them and we're going to continue like doing this Love the energy, guys. Uh, look, this has been a fantastic conversation. I appreciate all of your time. I think it's a very important topic, especially the whole meetup grassroots, um, being the change you want to see in the world in your local community, be good to your neighbors. Um, I like to, we're about to hit the two hour mark. I want to be courteous of your time. I like to wrap this up with final thoughts um 
Santos, we'll start with you. Final thoughts. I love the conversation. Absolutely honored to be here and like share some of these ideas and strategies, uh, discuss what's going on in Arizona. So if you're ever in Arizona, please just check out, uh, you know, meetup.com slash, uh, I think AZ Bitcoiners, or that might be our Twitter handle and, and, uh, join us for a drink. Cheers. Thanks, Santos. Brian, final thoughts. Final thoughts. Look, uh, the lockdown changed a lot of things for me. Like it made me realize that Bitcoin's happening right now in person. And when I heard like, um, just appreciate like what you and Marty do. And when Marty interviewed like Mike from Bitcoin Beach, it made me realize that like all the tools are available right now. And so having like uh, Oshiap and Michael come down to Southern California, like at Next Burger that day when we had that party and then watching what Michael has done um, and watching what Kyle's doing in Austin and like meeting the guys in Kansas City, just got back from Oklahoma, like that all means like a really lot to me. So Bitcoin means a lot to me and I'm thankful to like do this with all of you and like honestly help the world. Cheers. I uh, appreciate you as well, Brian. Thanks for coming on the show. Michael, final thoughts. Yeah, I love all you guys. Thanks to everyone in in the chat as well for showing up, man. Like I was telling you before, Matt. Like I grew up on on TFTC and uh, Citadel Dispatch, basically like religious religious following there. Um, yeah, I think I think it's just time for uh, for people to kind of get out there and like shake a business owner's hand, right? And and just start the conversation, like what what Brian was saying, what Santos was saying, like. It's happening. Um, we can we can start like a little piece of Bitcoin Beach, like in in cities all across the country, all across the world. What the tiny like town of El Zante, El Salvador, right, with a small group of people and a lot of passion, we're able to do, like that should be the thing that gets people going. That like this can happen anywhere, right? And even if the reasons are a little different for why it happens, right, like it can happen. So like we're rolling into Miami to Nashville, the beatups are blowing up in Austin, like everywhere, right? Phoenix. Just keep it going, everyone. Fuck yeah. Keep Thanks, Michael. Um it's it's a, it was a pleasure kicking with you. Are you are you guys gonna be in Miami? Yeah, we'll be there. Brian Definitely. will be there. Michael, you'll be there? Yeah, I'll be there. We'll have probably a couple dozen businesses as well that are that are uh, on Oshi up there accepting Bitcoin. Um, it's going to be cool. So yeah, go out, go out and support them. Um, Santos, you'll be there too. Yep, definitely going to be there. Well, Santos, I look forward to meeting you in person. Michael and Brian, I look forward to kicking it with you in person again. Um, so I guess Michael, like people should download Oshi app before they go to Miami, so they can see which merchants are available there. Yeah, they should. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you guys you know, are interested in uh, you know slinging some sats around to local businesses, then yeah, you should uh, check out the OCF. Should should I show your code, Matt? Yeah, show show <laughs> my scam code. <laughs> this is a scam code. So Oshi tech slash Odell. Yeah, um, if you want to support every- the show, I joke around that all refs are scams, but. Um, hey, this one is going to support you know whatever you want it to support, Matt. So at least it, dispatch it or open support still dispatch and uh, Bitcoin circular economy. Two not two noble goals. I would say the circular economy is a more noble goal, but I, I think I, the money I, needs to go to Matt because we need Matt to be acquiring laundromats and dude. I'm not buying any like, fiat businesses, but, Brian. You can buy the no, fiat and then you convert them into Bitcoin, and then you can. Uh, 
Dude, we're, this is going to be a show. This is going to be a show on CNBC. It's going to be like the the bar rescue, but it's going to be fiat business rescue. And biz, Bitcoin business owners are going to go in and help people. Okay, guys, yes. if you use if you use my ref link, I will put the sats away and maybe I'll buy a laundromat in the future <laughs> and convert it to a Bitcoin standard. Yes. No promises. Um, I love all you guys. This was a great conversation. Uh, thank you to all the freaks who joined us. I hope you found this conversation as helpful and as as interesting as I did. Uh, reminder, next week's dispatch will be in person in Miami. If you want to join us for that, that's still dispatch.com slash Miami. Uh, space is limited. Drinks will be included so we can kick it and have a good time. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to broadcast that live. I'm going to try to if I can. If not, it'll be posted, you know, immediately following uh, the live conversation. Um, yeah, with all that said, thanks to our guests one more time. And thanks to the freaks. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Thank you. Oh, and one more thing. I could change the world like a fairy tale. I would drink your love from your holy grail. I was all in love. Tell old pals about get out of town because you just lost your job. How did we get so affected? Oh, Saka! Is love reflected?
Thank you. Love you, freaks. Looking forward to kicking with you all in Miami. Stay humble, stack sets.